This communication is top secret. Silent weapons for quiet wars. An introductory programming manual. Operations research technical manual. TMSW 7905.1. Welcome aboard. This publication marks the 25th anniversary of the Third World War, called the Quiet War, being conducted using subjective biological warfare fought with silent weapons. This book contains an introductory description of this war, its strategies, and its weaponry, May 1979. It is patently impossible to discuss social engineering or the automation of a society, i.e. the engineering of social automation systems, silent weapons, on a national or worldwide scale without implying extensive objectives of social control and destruction of human life, i.e. slavery and genocide. This manual is in itself an analog declaration of intent such a writing must be secured from public scrutiny. Otherwise, it might be recognized as a technically formal declaration of domestic war. Now you're probably wondering, what the fuck was that Kaiser just read? <laughs> this is an excerpt uh, from a technical manual, which apparently exists. We'll talk about that in a second. From uh, a book that... I think every 90s teenager read and loved called Behold a Pale Horse, written by a Mr. Milton William Cooper. Bill Cooper. Yes. Bill uh, Milton, Milton William Bill Cooper. In 1990, he wrote uh, what became the manual for conspiracy theory and um, continues to have an impact today. And, I mean, a huge, yeah, a huge, a, a very, very large impact. And s- some of the things that he says in this book will make you raise an eyebrow. You will go, hmm, that's very, very interesting that, that you would write that. <laughs> uh, some of the things will make you say, hmm, that might be bullshit. But that's what we're here today to discuss, to discuss this book and the man who wrote it, really, who was way, actually way more interesting than the book. Uh, we're going to discuss all that in its entirety. We're going to exhaust this subject. We Yes, that is that is our goal today, uh, to do that. Uh, ladies, how y'all, how y'all doing? Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Allie's got her wine glass, so does Jenny. Jenny has our wine tumbler. Yeah. <laughs> we, work so, in, cool. we work yeah, in corporate America, so we're as, uh, as, yeah. as that. So we we'll are wine moms. Yes. As a subsequent effect. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited about this subject because I found this book right after 9-11. Oh, that, yeah, oh, I, that was an interesting time to find out about this yeah. book. <laughs> so I was already raised around a sister that was like if somebody in authority tells you something you need to ask three minimum questions about it like three to ten and ask them why and how and who did what and so i was young i had to be because what 9-11 was 2001 i think i was about 14 when it happened and yeah and so You know, I just remember, like, I had boomer parents, so they wanted to just be glued to everything about nationalism and, you know, like, the whole, like, 
a lot of our audience, if they're younger than 21, 23 at this point, I guess, um, they're not going to have any concept of it. But there was just an insane amount of it was across party lines where like you had people that were Democrats and people that were Republicans and they all had a fucking American flag sticker on their fucking car. Everybody loved America for those like 10 years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not me. <laughs> so like we were the minority, right? And so like I was watching this stuff and they were saying that, oh, we don't know, like we had no warning and that's why there was no real reaction to it until we shot that one plane down, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then it just didn't like, that didn't feel right to me, right? I was like, there's no way that we are in this you know, highly intelligent, intelligent meaning, you know, CIA, FBI, like we have all this stuff funneling through Washington and nobody knew anything about this, right? Like nobody had any inkling that this was going to happen. So then I find that for people younger than 23 message boards, (laughs) that was a fucking thing. And so I find message boards and they're like, Oh, check this out where, um, you know, on this embassy website for like Hawaii or Costa Rica, where they had posted on September 9th and September 10th that something was going to happen. Like they had, you know, sent notices out to offshore embassies that there was going to be attack, an attack on American soil. And so that set the question in my mind is like, oh, well, y'all said you didn't fucking know anything about it. But here it shows you did. And so, listen, GW was reading to kindergartners, okay? <laughs> he had a good reason to not know. Remember when they like <laughs> fled to the bunker immediately? <laughs> <laughs> so, so at any rate, long story short, uh, this, you know, sister of mine was like, hey, have you heard of silent weapons for quiet wars? And I was like, no. She's like, have you ever heard of Behold a Pale Horse? And I was like, no. She's like, okay, well, you need to find this book and you need to read it. So I fucking searched. This is a pain in the ass. I had to search what bookstores were in my area, then call them to ask oh. what was in stock, you know, because in the like, early yeah. days of the Yeah. <laughs> This was prior to them having their stock online. You had to call and say, hey, can you set this book aside for me if you have it? (laughs) So I call. The only fucking bookstore in my entire area that has it is a fucking Walden Books Mm. in the middle of, you know, malls, which are dead now. And I was so paranoid about going to buy it that I had to make sure I got cash so it couldn't be traced back to Oh, gosh. (laughs) I was like, shh. Give me the book and nobody gets hurt. So that's, so yeah, that's how I started reading this book. And I feel like the first chapter is really the most important chapter of the whole thing because it also goes hand in hand with media literacy and how what you take in every day in terms of content, ads, whatever you're seeing, news reports even, uh, it really impacts the way that you actually absorb that information and the impressions you walk away from. And so it's like a really key ingredient to this book and this person's philosophy about how you should view the things that are set in front of you every single day. Interestingly, so, my friend was talking about that earlier. I, it, the, <laughs> the thing is, I don't know if that concept is necessarily exclusive to Bill Cooper no. and this book, like the, for sure not. Those ideas existed 
long before he wrote this book. Yeah. I mean, um, Brave New World, 1984, Animal Farm. Yeah. Uh, you know, those things that... Uh, it's just that this was the first time, I think, that someone said, hey, no, those concepts exist, and here is the evidence. Whereas before, yeah. those other things were satirical uh, takes on... You know, the current well, state there, of and media and government. Were, like, here's the thing about Bill Cooper is this book was published in the early 90s. And some of the ideas and some of the, you know, questions that he himself walked away with were all tied, could definitely be tied back to like the black community and mm-hmm. minority communities who were heavily impacted by this stuff and already had like they had the knowledge without necessarily being able to put it into a book or gain the notoriety that an old boomer white man could gain in the 90s. So like he definitely, like a lot of this stuff was stuff that, or ideas, I should say, were ideas that were already out there. So now now some of them though were very specific. So my, my first encounter with this book was I was 16, 17 years old, a friend of mine, so this was maybe 96 or so, 95, 96. And someone was like, hey, have you ever read this book? And I'm like, no. And he pulls it out and he, he starts, he was talking about the UFO stuff. Yeah, so he yeah. let me borrow it. And I'm thinking the book is about UFO stuff. And uh-huh. and it's not actually, that's such a small portion of what he talks about uh, in in the book. But he, he just, he talks about stuff that's very, re- like he, he talks a lot about uh, the the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. and you know how he feel like, and this is something that I've, I've always believed that HIV and AIDS was lab was lab a lab around. created disease mm-hmm. in order to target blacks and gays, mm-hmm. particularly uh, though. I mean, think about it. We've done episodes on the counterculture movement. San Francisco was the epicenter of the counterculture movement, large black population large gay population and it just so happens that that is where the AIDS epidemic starts yeah and mm-hmm. and the media uh content about HIV and AIDS was that you had to be gay to get it you know they call it the gay cancer mm-hmm. straight people didn't think that they could get it and the media perpetuated that myth for a long long time and actually they still do yeah you know to this day to me that just seems awfully convenient right. like this Disease that comes out of nowhere. Uh, and it's like, oh, this disease comes out of nowhere and, and it targets gay people mm-hmm. and black people disproportionately. Yeah. Hmm, that's kind of... Even to the point where you see the commercials for AIDS and HIV treatment, it's always... It's, still, gay yeah. it's always gay and people, people yeah, frolicking, yeah. <laughs> playing badminton. Right. Look what yeah. I can do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I wish they would stop You never see any old white dudes in the well, Levitra commercials. Have, yeah, right. why don't they have or heterosexual couples, couples, couples in, like, and... herpes commercials? You right, know? yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Why is it this And it's always medicine? like... The, it's like uh, obviously gay dude. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. come on, y'all. Where they have to, like, give each other a smooch, like, right. in a commercial. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on. But this was stuff he was talking about in 1990. Yeah. You know, which, uh, for an old white man to hold that opinion in 1990, that was a controversial stance. Well, didn't, um, I think when I read, there was like, he had an article clipping where it was like, the kids had it. HIV, like it was, I can't, I can't, gosh, I, I would have to pull it up, but it was like where an article was talking about there were so many, such a number of 
kids that had AIDS and HIV. And he kind of was like, I don't know if he wrote this, but it was like a comment under there was like, okay, so these kids are in these homosexual relationships or they're shooting drug needles. <laughs> Like, what? How are they getting? You know, so. right? Yeah, the implication is how how are children right getting this right. this disease that the media and the government told us could only be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you could only contract via homosexual oh, yeah. content okay. or yeah. okay. or, or drugs, right? You know, yeah, like, yeah. I was not following. <laughs> so how, what, what, what's what's weird about that statement is that no one cared about HIV or AIDS until Ryan White. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, some some innocent white kid mm-hmm. who got it from a blood transfusion, and mm-hmm. then they changed all these laws. Now, yeah. now, gay people can't get blood. right. Now you can't <laughs> you you cannot be refused HIV medicine or treatment for financial purposes, and they call that the, the Ryan White, the Ryan yeah. White, yeah. white mm-hmm. law. And yeah. it's kind of like let, let's say even if the government didn't make HIV in a lab, because to be fair, there has been evidence that HIV existed long before but in like simians well yeah we just didn't know what it was or even as recently as they've gone back and um done dna tests uh and autopsies on people that that died under like mysterious medical conditions long in the 40s 50s uh particularly soldiers who would travel in war and have unprotected sex with people and they and they were able to find evidence of hiv which leads me to believe that the government probably knew this and thought we could we could yeah. use this, you know, we could use this as because it, they just did not care that AIDS was was killing gays and blacks. And especially when they found out that in in Africa, where there is still an AIDS epidemic, mostly because of misinformation, mm. um, they were like, yeah, that was like, OK, all, all black people don't die from this disease. We don't care. There were a lot of things, and we'll talk about more things that he said in this book that, you know, like I said, will raise an eyebrow. Yeah. Like, mainly because of when he talked about them. No one at th- this conversation was not being had about HIV AIDS back in, yep. in the 90s. No one was mm-hmm. like. I will say, so before we get to anything else that he said, because there are. Like I was saying before we started recording, I was telling everybody that when I did have this book, I actually set the book down when he got to UFOs because I was like, this is like too much for me. I can't handle (laughs) all of this. Because I I feel like that's kind of where he falls apart. So, yeah. So that's there's a lot of what he's saying that has a basis in reality and you can follow those threads. And then when it gets to his accounts of UFOs, like I said, that's where he lost me. But I will say about him versus everything that's happened post, I'll call it post Bill Cooper. uh, He was a centrist like through and through. He did not walk any party line and he makes a point to call out throughout the book and throughout his theories, the oppression on like minorities and the way that governments will scapegoat people just to be able to deflect the nation's attention and like, oh, let's pick on, you know, Jews now. So you guys don't pay attention to how we're having this whole fascist dictatorship over the country. So like he, he's very much like a lot of these outlandish things are based in, 
the foundations of history and fact, and you're not going to tread white supremacy waters intentionally with like a lot of this stuff. So let me read uh, an excerpt from another excerpt. This is from the, uh, also from the first chapter of his book, uh, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. That is the name of the, f- the first section of Behold a Pale Horse. But he talks about media diversion. He says, media, keep the adult public attention diverted away from the real social issues and captivated by matters of no real importance. Schools, keep the young public ignorant of real mathematics, real economics, real law, and real history. Entertainment, keep the public entertainment below a sixth grade level. Work, keep the public busy, busy, busy with no time to think back on the farm with the other animals. So, again, I'll say that some of these concepts do predate Bill Cooper. However, I think when you read this excerpt and you think about now, 2023... I mean, does, how accurate, how ac- exactly yeah. super accurate entertainment, keep the public below a six entertainment below a sixth grade level. I mean, that's. And this supposedly listeners, uh, silent weapons for quiet wars was published in 1979 and not discovered until 1986. And it was discovered on a fucking photocopier that someone was selling in a surplus. So sale let's talk about that actually (laughs) before we talk about the veracity of this supposed document okay because i i think you have to talk about that okay i do want to talk about bill cooper a little bit because you have we have to set the the uh the context of 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 who he was right (laughs) Like he was, he didn't just wake up one morning. He was a conspiracy theorist. Okay? Welcome to the floor, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> William yeah. Bill Cooper. So, uh, some of this is from the Wikipedia article, and the reason I am doing that is because the book itself he actually says a lot about himself, but people lie about yeah. themselves. Okay, uh, I don't know if you guys. This side note: you guys ever seen the movie uh, Bloodsport? Isn't that well, like, um, like one yeah. of John claude Van Damme's no, first movies? Okay, okay, great eighties <laughs> action movie, right? I, every dude ever has seen that movie, but the movie is is based on the exploits of a guy named Frank Dukes, um, who in the movie he's also Frank Dukes, who was apparently a CIA, uh, was a military special operator who eventually works for the CIA, and he goes and fights in this secret martial arts tournament called the Kumite. That is the blood sport, okay? And it's like, and and the thing was is that it's got to be made up. People believed him in the seventies and eighties. Uh, you know, all the Black Belt magazine because there was a big explosion of martial arts media in the seventies and eighties. And Frank Dukes oh, was like, God. was like, man, this guy is a special operator, CIX, CIA, who fought in this tournament, and apparently he set all of these records. By the way, you should watch Blood Sport. It is actually a, a pretty good movie, but. Uh, you know, he had all these these claims that he could like punch through bulletproof glass and all <laughs> kinds of shit that people they believed it, right? And then one day somebody was like, you know what? This is bullshit. So people went digging and found out that you know, much of what he said was bullshit. It there there was like no record of he was in the military, no record of him being a special operator, which of course he's going to say, Well, you know, it was classified. You know, it's a special <laughs> operator. Um, yeah, how convenient, right? 
And then there are pictures of him in his military dress with wrong medals. You know, all kinds, oh my of, God. All kinds, of, all kinds of stuff like that, you know. And um, he, the purple heart. It, 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 <laughs> but he was still able, he was still well known in Hollywood. And, and he, he worked on a lot of martial arts movies. And he was a martial artist. He didn't know martial arts, okay. But... He had to have a better backstory. But I said that to say, yeah, you, you can just make up whatever bullshit you want about yourself to make yourself sound better. And with some of the stuff that Bill Cooper says in his book about himself, I get that vibe. Like, uh, hey, I'm a military guy. And let me tell you guys this. For those of you that have never been in the military, you will meet more liars than you've ever met in your <laughs> damn life in the military. Because nobody knows anything about you. You could be from bumfuck Idaho. Is that a real place? Everyone just says <laughs> bumfuck Idaho. And, and you could say whatever. I mean, people used to just say all kinds of bullshit in the military. And then when you're talking to people who aren't in the military, they're going to believe whatever you say. Yeah, right? they don't know shit about the military. So, so I kind of got that vibe from uh, Bill Cooper. And even in the Wikipedia article, it says, little is known about his background in education beyond the information supplied in his own accounts. Uh, he claims to have served in the Navy and the Air Force, which sets off triggers for me. I'll explain why. And naval intelligence until his discharge in 1975, the very end of the Vietnam War. Um, but public records only indicate a period of service in the Navy uh, with a ranking of E5. And he did do uh, a tour of duty in Vietnam and got two service medals over there. Um, he did work for Navy intelligence for a short time after which he went to a junior college in California, went to several technical and vocational schools. And it was there that he started making certain conspiracy theories about things he had seen in the Navy. Um, and during 1988 is he started posting on BBSs, which you you kids don't even that was like what's a bbs uh bulletin board service oh, it's okay. like a message board that was like mm. the, but was yeah in the, in the early internet yeah. it, it wasn't mm -hmm. even a website it was it was it wasn't message boards have threads it wasn't even threads a BB, bulletin board was literally like like that you would you would communicate via messages could people comment yes but okay. but it wasn't like Threads. It was just yeah. It was just, it was just a page of messages. Just a bunch of people putting their thoughts. Right. Randomly. Just a page of messages. Right. <laughs> so like a, like a like a newspaper with like the wanted section kind of. Or not even like that. It was like like an actual bulletin board. Yeah. Imagine you went up to a bulletin board. And for those of you who don't know, a bulletin board where you stick messages yeah. on, and then someone else Turn would read your there. message, and they would reply to it with their own bulletin board message. Mm -hmm. But someone else could make a completely different mm -hmm. message. That is so. absolutely bonkers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was how it was back when, when I got on the internet, like in the early 90s, bulletin boards were still a thing. Um, Prodigy was the big, mm -hmm. man, I am really dating myself <laughs> here. Hey, I'm right there. But it was, on the, <laughs> it was on the bulletin board systems that he started talking about ufology and the things that he had seen in the Navy and um, and he claims that one of his first posts in 1966 he claimed that he was serving upon, uh, aboard the USS Tyru uh, when him and fellow Navy personnel and this is quote witnessed a metal craft larger than a football field repeatedly enter and exit the water he claimed he was instructed by superiors to never speak about the incident um a few days later, he was contacted by a fellow 
poster on that bulletin board uh, named John Olson Lear, who was the son of Bill Lear, the founder of Lear Jets, Lear Private Jets. For those of you who know what a Lear Jet is, big company makes small uh, jet aircraft. Um, Lear then made a post called the UFO cover up um, in which he corroborated <clears throat> excuse me uh, much of what Cooper stated in his post and the two became friends spent a lot of time together Bitch, what? from 1988 <laughs> to 1990 and so Cooper's views were heavily influenced by information that he got from Lear, who was apparently in the know because his father owned a giant aerodynamics company. My dad company. owns a dealership. Yeah. <laughs> My dad owns airplanes. We've seen so, UFOs. So, like, I've totally seen airplanes that are as big as um, a football field. <laughs> their, their relationship came to an end, however, when Cooper accused Lear of being a CIA mm. agent. Oh, that ended their, their yes. friendship? Yes. So he actually had a brief friendship with Alex Jones in Alex Jones's career infancy. And after doing one episode of Alex Jones's show, he called him a bullshit artist and said he was a, basically a CIA agent and a piece of shit. So that's like the fallback insult. You know what? You're a CIA agent. I know. Agent. I was going to say what? Well, but. Alex Jones is not a CIA agent. No. I no 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 way I, I'm not buying that. <laughs> no I don't know. So I'm I mean a CIA agent in the sense that remember when we covered Jonestown, there were people that were not CIA agents that worked for this in in the interest of the CIA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing about Alex Jones, and I guess we can get to it here. Is that so? William Cooper wrote this book at the beginning of the 90s, and it became a pretty big underground success. Like, he ended up selling, he only published 3,500 copies of his book, and he sold 350,000 from that 3,500. Had a huge cultural impact in terms of like Gen X and underground. Like this was back in the day when I, we've covered the anarchist cookbook before. This was like when you had to know somebody cool who knew about this shit, who told you, Hey, check this cool shit out. And if you didn't like, if you didn't know that cool person and they didn't share that knowledge with you, you were fucked. You never figured it out. So culturally, actually the X-Files stole a lot of material from this book uh, for like plot lines and stuff like that. And they even credit him. I think it was like back in 1998 and uh, the movie, they like made a few uh, references to Cooper uh, in reference to him. But I say all that to say once William Cooper died and why I say I really feel like he was a centrist and not right wing because a lot of uh, publications will call him right wing but there's not really any real right wing philosophy and like what he's talking about except for defending the second amendment you could call that you know but just because like I I'm a second amendment defender you guys know right, me I am yeah. not a right wing there's plenty of leftists right are, yeah you know second amendment defenders that's like the closest thing I could really think of, like going through, um, you know, the things that he said or the things that he wrote that I felt like back in 2002, like that's why they called him so, right wing. 
Here's the thing, though. If if somebody tells you the truth, or what could be the truth, but then tells you an obvious lie, is that person a liar? How much stock could you put into the truth? For instance, when when he claims to be, he claimed to be in the Navy, Navy and the Air Force. Highly, highly unlikely. You just don't meet that many people that like double branch. There are people. Yeah. There are some people, but it is it highly, highly unlikely. In Would the, you have in to go through 60s. like yeah, you have to, training? Exactly. Yeah, the, the jobs don't match up. Typically, the, the military does not have a lot of redundant jobs between the branches. Yeah. There are some because, uh, for instance, like my job, aircraft loader, I can only load Air Force jets, right? Navy, yeah. Navy guys have guys that load their jets. But um, so if, if you were doing a job in the Navy, they're not going to be like, hey, can you do that same job in the, Air Force? in the Air Force? Yeah. No, you just do it in the Navy, bro. Yeah. You're already doing it in the Navy. You go into the Air Force, the doctor, first of all, the doctors are different because the the, um, the four branches all do different things. They, the Navy is fleet and actually they are the ones that actually defend uh, our country, so to speak. So like, you know, if, if we feel like Russian bombers are coming out, the Navy is going to intercept them. The Air Force is more of a strategic Thing. We send bombers over to yeah. other countries and blow them. You know, the different doctrines. There's no, I, I can't think of any situation where in 1966 anyway, where they'd be like, okay, yeah, you can just go over to the Air Force. And as his public records, military records are public, indicate that was not the case. He never yeah. served in the Air Force. So, why one, why would he say that, right? Why would you just make up a lie and then... <laughs> And then now that we know, okay, you lied about this. What else are you lying about, bro? Yeah. Um, and so cert- certain things like, it's, it's right as he, I believe he is about the, the AIDS epidemic, but like stories like, man, I saw some weird shit come up out the water in the Navy and my God, my <laughs> superior said, okay, well, dude, it was probably a fucking submarine, right? It was probably like a submarine and they're like, don't say no shit about the submarine, bro. What did I, but but did he think that was a are UFO? Are there submarines the size of a football field? Submarines are huge. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I knew they were big. I didn't know they were that big. Yeah, they're they're large. I mean, it could have... We don't know what it could have... First of all, as someone who has worked on a classified program, I worked on the F-22 fighter when it was still test aircraft. There's so much shit that you see. Uh, for instance... God, I hope the feds don't kick down my door. <laughs> Um, there's a place in Palmdale, California called Skunk Works. Now, everyone knows about Skunk Works, and we just know that Skunk Works is typically where they build uh, top-secret aircraft. Oh, okay. And so a lot of times we'd have to go to Skunk Works to get Everybody parts. Everybody knows about it. You guys. Well, I, everyone does. I mean, you when you, in fact, when you drive by it, it's a giant skunk, like, like, a, cartoon, like a giant cartoon skunk. Like, oh this is Skunk Works. I mean, everyone knows where it is, but you just can't get in the facility. You just yeah. can't walk in there. Um but we'd have to go to Skunk Works a lot of times to get parts for the F-22. And you would see, maybe like, okay, whatever you see in here, don't say shit. Don't yeah. tell nobody yeah. or you could possibly lose your clearance because you're going to see some shit in yeah. there. So most of the time, it'd be nothing in there. But you would you would be like, hey, I've never seen that plane before. Uh, so that's probably all it was in the Navy. But if you're talking to people who don't know, you go, especially... A message board, a bulletin board in the 80s. Hey, dog, I saw some shit come out of the wall. Oh, my God, this yeah. guy. 
<laughs> what the fuck? Wow. And he was really in the military, so it must be true, right? <laughs> that's why I from the that's why I, I'm I'm with Mill and Cooper up until the, the ufology stuff. I'm like, eh. Well, so let me let me be clear. I mostly am a fan of his because of um, the way that he breaks down and like silent weapons for quiet wars is a really good example. It's like breaking down post when he published this book, the science behind how our daily lives are affected now, you know, and it's like, he was able to demonstrate and it like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is kind of vague and you can apply it to like the TV set or whatever. But I think there's always like a kernel of truth behind these things. It's like, yeah, if you go back and trace like the evolution of commercials, even it's like, yeah, they actually brought on psychologists to tell, you know, people that make commercials how to get people to buy into things, how to entice people, what is going to keep people in a constant buy loop. Like there's just, there's so much behind some of these ideas where it's like, yeah, the guy is definitely problematic and questionable in many ways, but he also was very right and had right information a lot of the time, which is, I, yeah, I think he was a smart guy who could see stuff. And I will say this being in the military, you do have a greater understanding of how information is disseminated to the public because they disseminate it to you. And, it, and a lot of times you question the information that you get. Um, you know, one of the thing he talks about this in, in behold a pair of horse, but it's, this always comes up in second amendment arguments about, defending yourself from the government, right? That's one of the reasons why Americans need guns because we want to make sure that if the government is is oppressing us like they don't already do it anyway, but it but you know, if they were oppressing us with force, then we could fight back. Uh and to that I say that's absurd because I have literally loaded bombs on aircraft that can circle a target yeah. autonomously for 30 minutes and destroy and decide, okay, now I'm going to kill all you people. <laughs> and and some people tend to think, well, there's no way American troops would fire on American citizens. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you yes. <laughs> that yes, they would. Wasn't it, wasn't it Kent University? Kent, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and But the idea is that nowadays, American soldiers are a bit more woke. And I mean that in the true sense of the word, not, not the right wing sense <laughs> of the word. But they're more aware uh, of what they're doing in the military and and they they would not follow an unlawful order like shooting a civilian in the street. But here's the thing. The military is not going to say to people, those are civilians in the street. Mm-hmm. They're going to paint them as combatants and they're going to show you some kind of essentially propaganda to make you think, oh my God, mm-hmm. we, we must defend our country from these people. I remember uh, when Keith Scott got shot here in Charlotte. Keith Scott was a black unarmed motorist who they found out had traumatic brain injury who mm-hmm. was killed by police because he could not follow instructions properly due to his brain injury. Brain injury. Uh, and, and the, the city was real hesitant to release the body cam footage because it was very damning. So well, cause you could see, his hands you could kind of see his hands yeah. were in the air and it, yeah. So um, there was uh there were a series of protests in the city and I went down 
me and my wife, we went and joined those protests. And um, they had they brought in the National Guard. Now, the protests had not gotten violent to that point. What had happened was someone had threw a brick through a window. I think it was the Charlotte Hornets team store, which they suck now. I might throw a brick through that motherfucker today anyway. But, and, and you know, someone throws a brick through the window in the city pan. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, boo. People are going crazy. So they brought in the Why National Guard. Let's shoot these people. Yeah. So they bring in the National Guard. This deserves, you know. And I, I remember, wa- you know, walking, we're marching through the streets and the, and the streets are lined with National Guardmen who are just there doing their jobs. And they, they seem nice. I talked to a few of them. I remember your live. I watched your live. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. And don't get it twisted. Them guys were there to rock and roll. They were not there to fuck around and be our friends. If someone had been like, if some shit had really happened, the National Guard would have, they would have done their jobs. Yeah. They might not have wanted to, and they may have questioned it afterwards, but in that moment, they would have done it. Yeah. So, so the idea that your own mili- our own military is not going to fight against us. No, they will fight against us and they will win. So your little, <laughs> your little yeah. AR-15 ain't going to do anything against an MQ-9 mm. Predator drone and highly trained military uh, people. But I think that's also, and and not to keep, this chapter to me is like, seriously, you could link back so many pieces of the last 50 years to this chapter and just like how American culture has evolved since World War II and how consumerism and, and capitalism has really grown to be like, we're in the, you know, people often say we're in the late stage the late stages of capitalism now, but it's like, if you go back and thoroughly read this chapter, it's like, if this, if this really did get written and published in 1979, which there are some key indicators, like factual indicators that this is a, it's a possibility, right? So like, we know about, you know, MK ultra, and we know about this kind of like silent, weaponry right so they're trying to influence what we do every day they're trying to yeah they gave us the 40 hour work week but hey guess what you know 50 60 years later we're we're creeping back up to 50 60 80 hour work weeks and all of a sudden it's being normalized and then all of a sudden we're being told to skip breakfast by the fucking washington post or whoever the fuck published that but it's like (laughs) but you see like and, and what this chapter kind of lays out for you is you're not going to see the drastic changes. You're not going to see the outlandish bullshit that Alex Jones spits off. What you're going to see are very small, incremental, quiet changes to American life that suddenly flip everything to the rich and powerful. And that's, that's the summary of the chapter. And it, it gets... I mean, we're already there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's like... Yeah. I hadn't read this book since I was a teenager and then just going back to skim like the highlights and everything I'm like oh my fucking god you know like how many things was this information correct about and now we have actual evidence you know shit that you can find through the freedom of information act that like yeah they did all this shit for sure they did so do you think do you think the the document is real I don't know I still don't know if it's real, but I do feel like all the information in it is pretty much correct. So that's yeah, that 
Uh, yeah, I will agree with that. I, I, I'm not sure if it's real. I, part of me thinks that he kind of made it up to dramatize. But at the same time, have, if you read the other chapters that he wrote, he's not that great of an author in that sense. Like, he's not a terrible one, but he's not like for somebody to sit down, a single writer to sit down and write this out. And they would have to do so much reading of like history and that they would have to know these things that we just only recently you know, within the past 20 years have come to find out. Also, uh, I want to listeners, I also want to know, we're going to touch on a lot of, I know it, it's going to feel like we're jumping around a lot, but there's, this book is so. <laughs> it covers a lot. There's so much. There's a, he is, he's the fucking, you know, it's always sunny meme with the Pepe Sylvia and he's got all the fucking, like, you know, he's got the bloodshot eyes and the fucking strings and tape everywhere. Like this is, yeah, yeah I, that's, this I, is I, what it is. I'm trying to keep, the conversation is focused as possible, but it's, it's really hard. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like when you read this book, you're going to be like, holy shit. By yeah. the way, um, Allie right here has a physical copy with her, but um, the book is public domain now. Oh, is it? It is. You can find, mm-hmm. you can, you can download it. Uh, the PDF version pretty much from anywhere. That's what I, I have right now. I'm looking at the PDF version of the book. Um, it's a it, it's kind of a tough read because as Ali said, he's not like a great writer. And a lot of the a lot of the the book is supposed documentation. Yeah. There's not a lot of his writing in there. No, there? there's there's there actually is. not. I yeah. mean, uh, but see, that's where it gets fuzzy. He'll have like this documentation, and then when he starts to input his own shit, you're kind of like, mm. yeah. Well, some of it's like some of it is giving context to the document. Some of it's just prefacing. Some of it's like wrapping up. But I will say like a good majority of the book is not necessarily uh, his original content. And as you read it, it's like, um, you know, it definitely doesn't sound like it's all coming from the same well, writer. Well, so for instance, there's a, a, the third chapter is an oath of initiation of an unidentified secret order. Because he does talk about the existence of secret order. And this is essentially where the Illuminati yeah. trope came from was this book. Uh, and it says from... A mother who states that her son took this oath and who must remain unidentified. How convenient. (laughs) How convenient that she must remain unidentified. Uh, And it has this oath. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to read this. Well, if you're from the Illuminati, do you want them to know who did it? Yeah, let me, I'm going to read this oath. Stick with me, listeners. (laughs) The oath. It says the oath in giant capital letters. Uh, uh, Actually, let, let me, let me back up give some context here author author's note he says the author makes no claims whatsoever regarding this oath of course another convenience uh it was handed to me by a woman who claimed her son took this oath so a woman just came up to him and said i was gonna say wait a minute you didn't exactly vet this right yeah Bill. so uh he says it was handed to me by a woman who claimed that her son took this oath another source however dr ron brown independent of and not known by the woman furnished a copy of the Congressional Record of the House of Representatives dated February 1913, where the same oath is entered as purported to be of the Knights of Columbus. The uh, congressman may have been wrong, however, how convenient, since the content indicates this oath may belong to either the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as the Jesuits, or the Knights of the Malta, which is the militia of the Pope, also said to be the ones that guard the, the supposed Holy Grail. I added that. that Wait, so why would the 1913 Congress 
go through this oath? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, well, he says, I include this oath only as an example that such oaths do, in fact, exist and are subversive. Because of the impeccably correct and difficult level of English use, the obvious expert knowledge of religious terminology and form, and the content and format of this oath, I consider it highly unlikely that it is a forgery. You must be the ultimate judge of its authenticity. The truth will win. All right, so let's hear this perfect right, English. All right. <laughs> I, Kaiser Soul Say. Uh-uh. He's <laughs> taking the oath. Yeah, I, I'm taking it. I'm going to be in this society. Oh, no, don't take it. Uh, now in the presence of Almighty God, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the Blessed St. John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles, St. Peter, and St. Paul, and all the saints, sacred hosts of heaven and to you my ghostly father the superior general of the society of jesus founded by saint ignatius loyola in the pontification of paul the third and continued to the present do by the womb of the virgin the matrix of god and the rod of jesus christ oh, no get his rod <laughs> out of here declare and swear that his holiness the pope is christ's vice regent and is the true and only head of the catholic or universal church throughout the earth and that by virtue of the keys of binding and loosing given his holiness by my savior jesus christ he hath power to dispose heretical kings princes states commonwealths and governments and they may be safely destroyed therefore to the utmost of my power i will defend this doctrine and his holiness's right and custom against all usurpers of the heretical or protestant authority whatever it literally says that a protestant whatever especially the Lutheran Church of Germany, especially the Lutheran Church of Germany, <laughs> Holland, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, and now the pretended authority in churches of England and Scotland and the branches of same now established in Ireland and in the continent of America and elsewhere. Dear God. And what? all, this is, by the way, this is a run-on sentence. I'm not leaving out Bro, punctuation. fuck off. Yeah. Uh, wrap it up, B. <laughs> yeah. And adherence in regard that they may be usurped and heretical, opposing the sacred mother church of rome that is just the first paragraph of <laughs> and i i fucking thought i used too many four, commas like jesus four pages is this one paragraph oh do you think that they like made people memorize this for the yeah Illuminati? i was gonna say probably you're in the illuminati hey now. dog you if you can memorize this shit you can you deserve to be in the illuminati okay <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, let me. I'm gonna skip right to the end of the oath. Yeah, uh, dear God. All of which I, Kaiser so say, do swear by the Blessed Trinity and Blessed Sacrament, which I am now to receive, uh, to perform, and on part to keep this my oath and testimony hereof. I take this most holy and blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, and witness the same further with my name written with the point of this dagger dipped in my own blood and sealed in the face of this holy sacrament. So they have like a knife. That's like uh, the, that, word salad with a bunch of names thrown in it. Yeah, this is not like intricate, difficult, complex English. No. This is just, yeah. Get to the fucking point is what it is. So this is the problem when you are a conspiracy theorist and people start handing you shit. Yeah. You just can't put mm. it in your book, bro. Well, what? it looks very proper <laughs> and it's got some good names in it. So it's got to be real. Yeah, I'm, yeah, he was like, yeah, I, this is not a forgery because, because of the... Uh, the content and format of this oath. I don't know about that one, bro. I don't know about that one. I'm I'm gonna say that that's not real. Someone just ran. Somebody just handed it to. <laughs> I actually, you know what? The oath might be real. 
I, I, I could I could see in in the Knights Templar of the Pope. Somebody thought they were a real good writer. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. And like it could be just that lady, or it could be somebody who you know. Now is- he claims two different people supplied him with this oath. The lady mm. who cannot be identified, and, and, the, and, the and this, this congressman Congress. who said, "Hey, back in 1913, you the Knights of Columbus for some reason." We're in the House of Representatives. I don't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Oh. I don't know. I'm going to swear it on this today, guys. <laughs> we're going to vote on taking away rights from ladies and black people. Yeah. yeah but hey, the, the Protestant authority, Germany, Holland, they named every country. Uh, I mean, they, got their word. <laughs> they were like, let's roll this map down. <laughs> Points. We're gonna throw it in there. Notice there's no African countries in there. <laughs> We're not defending those. Only European countries. Well, Jesus was white. Yeah. Isa. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yep. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So I, okay. So I'm gonna. That's a. That's a ding. You ever watch Cinema Sins where they ding every yeah. time something? Like, that's a ding on on this book. Ding. On the bullshit. Author. Yeah. I don't know about this, Bill. You could have left this out of the book. I still want to know this uh, this woman. Woman, if you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> please contact me and let me know if that was you that gave Bill Cooper. Uh, Maybe this. he didn't want to give too much information about how he met her or where they were. No, because yeah, like they, they would have came for her. Right. They May have been able to figure out who she was. So, but okay. I want to supplement the bullshit. With one uh, one piece that I found in a Rolling Stone article that this I believe this was a quote um, from his actual. So he wrote this book, but then also after the book was published, he started uh, like an AM radio show. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So and he had a lot of like obviously you know conspiracies and content that came out uh, after the book. Um, and he weighed in on a lot of things that were going on in the 90s post Behold a Pale Horse. So this quote said, the CIA and the military are bringing drugs into the United States to finance their black projects. Cooper also predicted that the rape of the savings and loans by the CIA is only the tip of the iceberg. At least 600 banks will go under in the next two years. The current monetary structure, Cooper said, will be replaced by a cashless system that will allow the government to monitor our every action by computer. If you attempt to stay out of the system, you will not be allowed to buy, sell, work, get medical care, or anything else. All take for granted. Okay, that's a that's a good check on the bullshitometer because that's that's essentially it, how it is. He, and he said this because he, for listeners, he died in two thousand one. So this would have been before we started. You know, like when we, was when was that published? This this um this quote would have been like within nineteen ninety two to two thousand one. Mm. So this mm-hmm. was before credit cards really became and debit cards. Actually, right, yeah. before debit cards yeah. entirely. People, right. people don't realize debit cards are fairly. I'm talking like the last twenty right. years. Yeah. Uh, so that was also during the time period that everybody thought in the year 2000 everything was going to blow up. Yeah. The world was going to end. I remember that was the year I graduated high school, and I'm like, I'm ne- I'm not going to get to graduate high school. <laughs> 
We're all gonna blow up <laughs> and die in the year 2000, <laughs> and then to the January 1st, 2000 rolled around and nothing happened. Yeah, absolutely. And the computers understood, and you know everything was supposedly. And <laughs> I, I haven't like done a lot of research on this, but apparently there were like a lot of coders and developers that were working like OT to make that happen. So thank you to those mm. guys if that actually happened. Like I said, yeah. I haven't researched it. <laughs> Man, yeah, Y2K, I was bizarre time People, yeah it was really like uh everybody said the world was gonna fucking end yeah which uh, was what a life for millennials you know, yeah uh, tricky I, you, I thought i wasn't gonna graduate yeah. Tri- tricky yeah. was a um electronic artist in the 90s but he has an album called pre-millennium tension and i love the name of that album because good. because yeah i know right yeah because that really encapsulates how we felt circa mm. 99 because it felt like a doomsday countdown it is yes yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. Prince, fuck, it's his fault. He told us. <laughs> right. He told like, us in 1982 90s. what was going to happen. He was just... <laughs> Isn't it crazy that Prince died in the elevator? That's the conspiracy we should be yeah. talking about. Yeah. I thought he yeah. just died at home. He died in, in the, the elevator, elevator in the studio. He collapsed, which is odd because I'm not going to let the elevator take us down. And the elevator mm. in that song is a direct reference to Satan, Satanism. Mm. Um, That's another episode. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, there is a conspiracy. A lot of people, a lot of people feel like that that Prince was murdered, like that he. Ooh. Because in, you know Prince was a Jehovah's. You know what we're gonna say that. That's yeah, another, yeah. That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. We and might. And then we gotta talk about how you know that may be a cult and it's yeah. like a whole thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Okay, let's get back on track here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, so there's it. There's something we got. We gotta talk about this. Okay, maybe we'll, we'll, by the way, this is going to be a two-part episode. There's just so much. There's, a, yeah. There's so much. There's too much. So, you know, we're going to reload at the end of this episode and come back next week and, and finish it off. But I do want to, end this episode, I want to talk about Terry Nichols. You guys know who Terry Nichols is? I do not. Terry Nichols was one of the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. What the? Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh. Yep. Timothy one. McVeigh was the the main guy that we all know. But Terry, the reason I bring up Terry Nichols is because Terry Nichols was a huge fan of Bill Cooper. They and both a were. huge fan of this book, right? Mm-hmm. And so after the Oklahoma City bombing, particularly after the trial, that's when sales of this book shot up. Really? Yes. Appa- apparently, like that causation is not correlation, I know, but Oof. I mean it, when it came out, hey, this guy. Lo- ju- I mean, think about when the when the Columbine massacre happened, and you find out that these guys liked playing Doom. Yeah, copies of Doom, Ooh. a game that had been out for seven, eight years at that point, went through the roof. Right, everyone wanted Ooh. to fucking play Doom because Let's nostalgia played Doom. Because- right, because these murderers played <laughs> because it. Because these murderers. Well, the, the rumor, the the urban legend was that they had made. Um, because you could you know make your own levels in in Doom that they had made levels um, that emulated the the school and that they were mm. carrying out the school oh. shooting that was later debunked yeah but but that was the rumor at the time and it caused people to go out and buy Doom so oh my god so with this you know after it was found out that the Oklahoma City uh, bombers were real big and in this book and Bill Cooper everyone went out and started buying the book to see because you know how it is when people commit murders or crimes we want to see what's in their head right so we go read this book and then everyone read it and they're like holy shit 
Like, there's a lot of good shit in this book, yeah. right? And so the media believes, and Bill Cooper will tell you that this is by design. If you were alive, you would say that. But the media <laughs> believes that this book gave birth to the modern terrorist, domestic mm. terrorist mindset uh, that we have in the United States. So, and here's where we kind of touched on it already with uh, me talking about how he like did a show with Alex Jones, hated him. There are ideas in the book um, and even going into like, he talks at length about like the Bilderberg group and, and other, uh, you know, secret societies and stuff like that. He definitely accidentally set the foundation or, you know, I, I, I guess accidentally is maybe subjective, but he set the foundation for where we are now in, in terms of conspiracy theories right. and how it has really taken over the far right. I think the only thing that I can really say just based off of reading the book and then listening to some of, you know, some of his shows and his quotes and stuff like that. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, he does not share in that white supremacist rhetoric or, you know, the way that a lot of, uh, you know, these conspiracies kind of funnel back to anti-Semitism. Okay. So, okay. all right. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. So, that leads to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a whole chapter where mm-hmm. he talks about the the protocols of the Elder Zion. So, the, the, yeah. The, right. Which... Uh, very, very recently that came into the public eye via Kanye West and, and then later Kanye, uh, Kyrie Irving, who to be, to be fair to Kyrie Irving, I don't think he really realized what it was he was talking about. He just saw some guy made a book, you know, on Amazon and it had some truths in it, much like this book. And he didn't realize that all the references in the book were from the the uh, protocols of the the Zion elders, which is an anti-Semitic text that has most people, most historians agree that has been fabricated, but it outlines the plan for Jewish global domination. <laughs> now, Bill Cooper he talks about this in his book. He does not reference whether or not he believes that the protocols are real or not. But he does state that he feels like secret governments in the world are following that plan. Now, he doesn't go as far as to say the it's the, yeah. it's the Jews, right? Yeah. Like, he wasn't stupid. He, he knew not to do <laughs> Even in the 90s, you better not say that, right? But I think that, to your point, some people read that yeah. and embraced it. Yeah. Well... Okay, so it says Cooper told readers to mentally edit out the anti-Semitism. <laughs> Saying it was, written, <laughs> it was written that way to deceive people. He suggested the reader replace Jews with Illuminati and Goyim, the term for non-Jews, with cattle. So. Okay, all right. <laughs> Boy, I don't know how I feel about that because... Yeah. Wait, I don't even know enough about these quote-unquote protocols of the elders. Like, who wrote this? So, uh, apparently, the Russians did Okay. in the early 1900s, or at least that's when it was published. Um, and it 
kind of became the basis for essentially the third, the beliefs of the Third Reich. Yeah. Um, Which is what? Jewish global domination? Globalization. Yeah. You know. <laughs> a secret plan for them to take over the world. Yeah, yeah. they're really succeeding, right? Yeah. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's where I, I think that the point that Bill Cooper wanted to get across was that this plan for domination isn't necessarily exclusive to any one ethnic group or power. Like, okay, even if this was fake, the the plans that are laid out in it can be executed by the Illuminati. Right. Right. Um, But I think it's one of those things where, like I said before, he was a smart guy. Okay. He needed content. You need content to keep your brand going. Right. (laughs) You're, a lot of this is very much gathered content right yeah it's like, kind of like um what's that what's that fucking fuck jerry the instagram uh, yeah. account mm-hmm. that reposts mm-hmm. people's mm-hmm. memes right yeah that's what the like he's like man i need okay i'm coming up with because this guy was well known in ufology circles underground conspiracy theory circles military intelligence everyone knew who he was and he's about to write a book right well you, you need content, right? Yeah. All right. This, la- oh, yeah, this lady gave me an oath. Okay, I can't say <laughs> yes. she. Okay. Uh, it's four pages of the book, right ooh, there. Oh, Ladies oh, Elder Pro- Protocols of Zion. Hmm. Um. Uh, well, if you but that's not it. They took it out of the latest. Oh, it's not in the latest it's, edition. Right. It's, oh, it's been wow. deleted in the most recent edition. Wow. So the the version I'm reading here has it. I, this uh, is a pretty it. old one. I wonder if it's in my book. And less than half the text is Cooper's words. That's, uh, yeah. Like I said, this is the like (laughs) 90s author version of Fuck Jerry. He needed needed context or content and was like, hey, I know exactly where to find it. Opinions and factual statements expressed herein are the responsibility of the authors and not necessarily endorsed or verified by the publisher. I just... He says, the ideas and conclusions expressed in this work are mine alone. It is possible that one or more conclusions may be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, talk about hedging your bets. One or more. I mean, Uh, full disclosure. This could be bullshit. (laughs) But if it's not, (laughs) that's kind of like Nostradamus. I remember when I was a kid, I used to be scared because I thought everything this motherfucker said was going to be true, right? Like... (laughs) Nostradamus had a giant fuck like Wormwood was gonna crash into the yeah, damn earth. I don't know. Uh, yeah. After the third like Geraldo special about Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my copy does have the wise men of Zion. The Protocols of Zion were referred to in the late 1700s. The first copy available to public scrutiny surfaced in the early 1800s. Now, he he says that in the book. However, Wikipedia disagrees with that assessment. Uh, They state that the book was first published in Russia in 1903. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't exist before, but... But it's kind of like one of those things where somebody probably saw it, it dates back to X, Y, Z. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Because it, we didn't have the internet. It was like, oh, yep, that's true. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. Let's take a quick commercial break. And then uh, we're going to come back with some more c- conspiracy theories. 
The government encouraged the manufacture and importation of military firearms for criminals to use. This is intended to foster a feeling of insecurity, which would lead to the American people to voluntarily disarm themselves by passing laws against firearms, using drugs and hypnosis on mental patients in a process called Orion. The CIA inculcated the desire in these people to open fire on schoolyards and thus inflame the anti-gun lobby. This plan is well underway and so far is working perfectly. The middle class is begging the government to do away with the Second Amendment. That is from page 225 of Bill Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse. That was the that was the section that made me want to do this episode where he specifically talks about school shootings inflaming the anti-gun lobby and causing Americans to essentially enforce stricter gun laws and do away with the Second Amendment. And he talks about how the plan is uh, is underway and so far it's working perfectly. Now, that seems to kind of be the case, sort of. I mean, it's not exactly like they were all that successful, though. You know, well, no, but well, but gun laws did. So after this book was published, um, the Clinton administration passed a firearms law that essentially makes it so where uh, automatic weapons are illegal. And they've been illegal in the United States since then. That has probably been the most strict gun law that has come out of this. Uh, by the way. Like I said earlier, I'm a Second Amendment defender. I I just believe I believe that Americans should have the ability to have firearms because criminals do, and we should be able to defend ourselves. However, I'm not one of these people that is so disillusioned to think that like we shouldn't have some kind of control over yeah. firearms yeah. in this country. It's it's ridiculous. Like my car is more regulated than the guns that I own. Mm-hmm. Like, li- like literally. You don't have to put a sticker on your gun. Yeah, no sticker. Yeah, I don't have to like inspect my gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 this gun didn't you pass inspection. Yeah, I don't need a, a license. So, um, I just thought that was a very interesting, interesting uh, quote because I had never, in in when I read this book in 1995 or whatever, this was before Columbine. Okay, and the idea of school shootings, which is common. Like now, it is not yeah. even that it's uncommon. It is common in the United States to have school shootings. They were not common when this book was written. When 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 Bill Cooper wrote this in 1990, the idea of people shooting up schools um, was you know like no that doesn't that yeah. that, that that doesn't happen. So um, in the 90s, it was like strictly because you had like beef with one person and you would just beat right. the shit out of that kid or whatever. Plus, if you if you think about uh, shootings like Sandy Hook, the shooter, like from what we know about him, it sounds like he was a, he was brainwashed by something, right? Yeah, yeah, like him and um, that other guy who shot up the Batman. Oh, uh, yeah, the movie theater shooting in Colorado. Yeah, that guy was fucking weird. Yeah, so, you know, the fact that these shooters are, you know, and we've we've, we've covered this on this podcast before. The CIA does do, or they they used to, do brainwashing experiments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. MKUltra was exactly that. They were, um, 
essentially spiking people's <laughs> drinks with LSD and other drugs in order to see if they could brainwash them into doing stuff. And we, we, we believe that that extended to Jonestown, the Jonestown massacre uh, as well. And see, there's the thing that that sounds so absurd, right? It sounds so absurd that the CIA could brainwash people into shooting up schools some 20, 30 years later after MK ultra. But see, the thing is, before MK Ultra was declassified, if someone told you about MK Ultra, you would say that's absurd. That's right. dumb. Yeah. That doesn't make any yeah. really, really LSD. That's dumb. And then boom, then the CIA declassifies it and you find out that that's all true. Well, you have to ask yourself and applying it to like modern situations. Why is it so easy for white males to fall down the far right pipeline online? Why are the algorithms set up that way? Why is it present on YouTube? Why is it present on TikTok? Every time TikTok does like a weird wipe of my personal algorithm, suddenly I start getting some fucking content like that. I'm like, you know, I don't fucking engage with it. So why is this? Yeah. Here? So like I, you have to ask, why is that a thing? Yeah, that's um, I'm. I mean, I think this, the stuff that he says about the media is bang on. I mean, that, now to be fair, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, those ideas are not exclusive to him. They've existed for yeah. as long as there's been media. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been, especially in science fiction. I love dystopian science fiction. It is one of my favorite genres of media ever because they always come so close to like nailing it. Like we're, <laughs> we are right on the precipice of, uh, you know, Equilibrium, Brave New World, The Matrix, all these, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're right there, right? It's just going to take one or two things to, to kind of tip the balance. And I think, like, someone well, like even, him. Even, like, the pieces of cyberpunk where, like, some of it felt a little too, you played it too. Like, there are pieces of it that feel like, oh, this is, like. So on the nose. Like, yeah, yeah, this is, like, yeah, yeah this is this is where we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm just wondering, though, if it wasn't him, would it be somebody else? Like, if let's say we remove Bill Cooper and Behold a Pale Horse, we just remove its impact from culture. I mean, when they, would these people still exist? Because think about the rise in domestic terrorism and militia-related incidents that happened in the night. The nineties was Ruby Ridge, Waco. He wasn't Oklahoma the only City one. bombing. No, like he wasn't the only conspiracy theorists back then and he wasn't the only one saying they're going to try and take your guns and you know the media is trying to brainwash you etc etc like the, none of those ideas aren't new so is he getting too much credit because uh the turner diaries predates bill cooper now for those who don't know the turner diaries is a uh novel that was written we should you know we should maybe do an episode on it. it's a little well it's a little too political more political than i and I, like more and political I, than this actually yeah actually yeah you know we don't we don't really delve into politics that much in this podcast but um it was a book written by william luther pierce who was uh, like a known like figurehead in um the white supremacy movements in the 70s and the 80s and the book is essentially a novel that talks about a a giant race war that happens in the United oh, States yeah. where white supremacist militias are able to get a hold of nuclear weapons 
and thus start like this this big race war. The, the, <laughs> Yeah, they they well in the in the book they they are able to garner they are able to garner support. We got the code. <laughs> we got them. We're ready. Tim wanna press this button. Um, but <laughs> could you imagine like Gastonia, North Carolina? Oh, right. Right. The horns, like, right here. But in the in the book, they are able to garner support from people who realize things like the government is trying to take their guns, the media is controlling them, all of these concepts that Bill Cooper talks about, you know, some years later in Behold a Pale Horse, they are implied in the Turner Diaries. And based on that support, people are like, yeah, you know what, fuck the government. And they they join the efforts of uh, this, un- it's like an underground uh, white supremacy organization and they're able to overtake uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base in California, which has nuclear weapons. And they're able to to deploy. It's, it's a ridiculous book. But I brought it up because that book is super, super influential in not just uh, white supremacy culture, but militia culture uh, as well and domestic terrorism. They were like, you know, that, that was kind of like one of their one of the. The Holy Trinity of books, Behold a Pair of Horse, The Turner Diaries, and probably the uh, the Protocols of the Elders. That was like the Holy oh, Trinity I... of like racist books, right? Jesus. So, um, but I said that to you say You forgot Mein Kampf. Mein Kampf, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, but I, I said that to say that like those concepts existed before Bill Cooper wrote about them. Yeah. So if he had not written about them, would they have still, you know, permeated down to, to culture like they did in the 90s? where everyone wanted to fight the government. Um, I mean, I feel, would that exist in the 90s and take the shape that it has now? I don't know about the second part of that question, but yeah, it definitely would have existed in the 90s because we were all on that counterculture question what the fuck boomers are telling you. But it, uh, it this brings up, and I guess uh, this, this might be a little too political a question. But if the only people that are truly willing to revolutionize against our government, think, think about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I always say, when we talk about revolution, we, were, we talked about this during the Keith Scott shooting. People don't want a real revolution because real revolution means blood in the streets, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means you're going to have to we're gonna have to get out of our cozy lives, get from behind our tablets and iPads and 4K monitors, and you're gonna have to go out and someone's people are gonna have to die, right? Because that's I, I can't remember the exact quote, but the uh, the tree of freedom must be refreshed with blood from time to time or something like that, right? Jeez, yeah. But but it's true. Look at other countries when they revolt, they revolt. Oh, the French Revolution. The, oh it yeah. Took them decades. Think about to the, the, the the Chinese uh, in in the 90s. The guy stood in front of a fucking tank and he was ready to, he was ready to die. Oh, that monk set himself on fire. fire yeah. yeah. Okay. Americans, we're not willing to do that. I went and marched in the streets because I felt like it was the right thing to do. But when they started shooting, y'all saw my live stream. <laughs> Kaiser Sose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cut the feed. Yeah. We out, we out this bitch. Cause they started shooting. They started, when they, them, uh, them rubber bullets and the, those, uh, Pepper spray pellets started. I was like, okay, I'm done. All right. 
right. <laughs> no beef with the revolution here. <laughs> revolution will not be televised. <laughs> will not be televised. Yep. <laughs> so I said that to say, like, people that, and I, we know people that are like revolutionaries. They are like activists. They are out there doing stuff. But they ain't taking up guns against the government. Yet you have people like Timothy McVeigh. And I'm not, I am not trying to like make it seem like those people are like heroes because they're oh, fighting yeah, the government. No, no. Of course. Because they didn't they're even the attack ones the fighting government. Right, yeah. Up a baby right, yeah, center. exactly. But like those people said, you know what? Yeah, the government is trying to fuck us. So let's let's take it to them. What does that say that those are the people that we talk about January 6th, and I know a lot of people feel like that. What, but no, nah, <laughs> them the it, if if they hadn't been stopped, we would have seen the amount of real violence we would have seen would have been ridiculous. They would have if there had been congressmen and women yeah. in that building, yeah, they would have died yeah. that day, right? So yeah, but they've I had think- all this this shit fueling them for so long with the yeah. fear and the hate, and like it's just. But the, you know, but, yes. but see, I, but I wonder why those are the people that are willing to. Because they're terrified. Because they feel like they're the ones in control, and because they have right, just a little bit of power yeah. over, like that's the, right, the yeah. ones just below them. I'm, I'm not well educated enough <laughs> to communicate this properly, but I have heard the philosophy of like when you are the oppressor, right? When you have that power, even if the slightest way that you do, and you perceive any amount of that power slipping, that's when you see the most amount of violence towards other people. We have to do something. Yeah. They're coming for us. They're going to take our power away. It's why you see the cultural (laughs) backlash of like the Andrew Tates and people like that were like, oh, we all have to be Sigma, Alpha, Mm -hmm. Omega men to, you know, counteract the fact that women don't want to fuck us mm-hmm. so we're gonna come in and take our fucks like it's just like yeah. it's like that it's because they perceive the slipping of that power they have mm-hmm. to violently retrieve it back and yeah. i think that's yep. what yep. january 6th was yeah. but unfortunately so many of those fucking morons are so perpetually online half of them that were there were like, I'm here to do something fun. And then the other half mm-hmm. who were actually I do think, fucking Yeah, people. I do think there were people there for meme reasons oh, only. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They weren't, they didn't give a shit. The guy with the fucking buffalo hat, he didn't give a shit no, about No, he was there for the clout. Right, you know? yeah. He didn't care but there about. were the people who were in the fucking like bulletproof vests and oh, shit yeah. with their faces covered up and zip ties. They were gonna I do some shit. I bet those guys all own a copy of this book. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I guarantee it. <laughs> and that's that's the scary thing about this book is like you do have these kernels of truth and you do have, you know, the way that the government is definitely like psychologically fucking us all. But then it is it is that slippery mm-hmm. fucking slope. Well, just because this guy was insightful doesn't mean that he's that wasn't dangerous shit that he was like feeding people, you know? It, I will say though, it's it, it's really <laughs> like hard. The rest of it because, because of like those other elements. This book yeah. is so disjointed yeah mm-hmm. kind of like this episode right because, <laughs> but 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 that's but that's because adhd but, but that's because the book is disjointed it's it's yeah it's a mishmash yeah. of supposed documents mm-hmm. his opinions his life story it's a, yeah. a lot of stuff Stream so, of consciousness. so it, it's, it would be really difficult <laughs> for just the average citizen to go through here and discern what's 
what's truth, what isn't. Yeah. He even says at one point, I'm leaving it up to you to decide yeah. mm-hmm. because this lady gave me this oath and I don't know. It might be, you know, so he's even ambiguous about it. So imagine someone who has a distrust of the government like everyone does and then reads his book and thinks, oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, he was, he was right about the Illuminati but and then completely ignore everything else, right? Um, I mean, people do that with the Bible, right? Yeah, like, I, I was just going to say, yeah. Bible. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bible. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I want to read another excerpt. This is from the, the chapter 12, The Secret Government, because I want to lead this into the, the last topic we'll discuss today before we talk about, before we come back next week. Um, author's note. The author notes, author's notes are always very interesting that he puts here. Right? Because he, uh, this is where he's hedging his bets. He's like, author's note, hey, by the way, I don't know. Uh, this could be. Right, yeah. Right. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Right, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, I want you, I really want you listeners to read the book. Uh, author's note. I have found that these events have indeed happened all over the country. By the way, this is right after he's talking about schoolyard shootings. Okay. So that I have found that these events have indeed happened all over the country. In every instance that I have investigated, the incident at the women's school in Canada, the shopping center incident in Canada, the Stockton, California massacre, and the murder of Rabbi Mir Khani, the shooters were all ex-mental patients or recurrent mental patients who were all on the drug Prozac. That was in caps, by the way. This drug... I mean, they hand that out like uh, fucking yeah, Tic Tacs. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but I think that's kind of the point he was making. Uh... This drug, when taken in certain doses, increases the serotonin level in the patient, causing extreme violence. I don't know about that. That all what? Take some Molly. Yeah. Let me. (laughs) Then he says, couple that with a post-hypnotic suggestion. Excuse me. Couple that with a post-hypnotic suggestion or control through an electronic brain implant or microwave or ELF intrusion, and you get mass murder, ending in every case with the suicide of the perpetrator. Exhume the bodies of the murderers and check for a brain implant. I think you are going to be surprised. Now, I, okay. See? All right. You, you're losing me here, Billy. So, but he did. Like, that's like zero personal accountability for any people. Yeah. Because big conspiracy, governments at blame, at, well, so, at fault. Like, it's not any individual's fault, right? When it came mm. out that Timothy McVeigh and his partner both were like fans or whatever, he tried to say that they had the brain implants. Uh-huh. They got the brain implants. Probably because they read this book. They were like, see, this Yeah. Because we think when someone commits something like like this, um, we say there's no there's, no no yeah. reasonable person would do this. Right. Right? And and then we don't we we don't want to lay this blanket on mm-hmm. people who have mental health issues that you know that they're dangerous or violent. So what's you know what's the solution? It obviously it's brain implants, right? Um okay, and then the next part he, he goes on to say, in every case the name of the murderer's doctor or mental health treatment facility has been withheld. That's not really true, especially nowadays. Yeah. But uh, I believe we will be able to establish intelligence, community connections, and or connections to known CIA experimental mind control programs when we fully discover who these doctors of death really are. See, here's my impression of this guy. He has a handful of information that is absolutely, you know, we know 
to this day is factual, mm-hmm. right? Because of Freedom of Information Act, because of declassified documents, that sort of thing. Like we know these things to be true. I feel like what he has done, because we also kind of figured out in this episode that maybe he's a content curator. <laughs> like <laughs> he has found a bulk of information that is absolutely correct. And he's like mm-hmm. right on yep. the verge, mm-hmm. on the precipice of really exposing things at the time would have been just absolutely groundbreaking. However, they were still classified. They were still, you know, I don't think the Freedom of Information Act was even a thing. Right. Yep. So like for his time, this information, mind blowing, revolutionary, crazy. Right. But then like he also delves into the little bit of crazy. Like we even know through our own episodes and doing our deep dives on like psychology and like how that's evolved um, and how like they used to just stick crazy people or crazy people, women with opinions in fucking (laughs) asylums, you know? So it's like, it's, it's taking you, some of this book is like on the verge of something so incredible, but because it's limited by the time and the fact that he didn't have all the facts and some of it's just total bunk and hogwash like it's it's so limited in its scope and i feel like if he were a person that were alive today and like could actually fact check some of this stuff like (laughs) what he could have done with the internet man what's fox news's excuse though (laughs) yeah Yeah. like you know what i mean because they're they're kind of spewing the same kind of shit on a massive level and like and we can maybe get it's dangerous (laughs) we can maybe get into it in the next episode but i feel like what has happened here was someone who i think earnestly maybe he did want to you know gain some fame or like make a name for himself but there were like he really did want to put together you know things that had some factual basis and he felt and he goes into it in the book a little bit he felt wronged by the american government he was you know a patriot through and through enlisted in the army and then he watched his favorite president he talks about this he watched his favorite president get assassinated on tv Mm -hmm. And he was like, what the fuck? And that's actually what spawned all of this for him. He was like, what the fuck? And then going into the conspiracy of JFK and why JFK was assassinated and it completely upheaved his whole life. And that's when he started to question everything. And so that's why this book exists essentially is because of JFK. Um, But what the media and white supremacists and fucking vultures who want to make a book have done with his ideas and this information or you can't even always call it his ideas but just like that path that he paved has just but see you know it's weird i see people that aren't not even white supremacists black friends of mine quote things from this book because because they'll say hey look this guy was woke you know he (laughs) He was he was his third Apparently, eye. He popularized "Wake Up Sheeple." You know, he I mean, but he did though. Yeah. He really did. Um, okay, so, so he, he coined, kind of coined "woke" before. Woke yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, this next, so this, yeah, this next section is for all the woke. This is for all you woke woke cats out there. Uh, WOKE Radio. Okay. Um, <laughs> due to the wave of crime sweeping the nation. 
the media will convince the American people that a state of anarchy exists within the major cities. They are now building their case almost nightly on TV and daily in the newspapers. When public opinion has been won to this idea, they intend to state that a terrorist group armed with a nuclear weapon has entered the United States and they plan to detonate this device in one of our cities. This is now being set up by the crisis in the Middle East. You guys remember the dirty bomb scares yep. in the mid-2000s? Just saying. Okay. Well, also, <laughs> wasn't there um, some sort of bomb in the bottom of uh, the World Trade World Trade Center, Center back in uh, 90, uh, 94. Three, it was after 1993, yep. Yeah, it was after this book was published. Says the, uh, the government will then suspend the Constitution and declare martial law. The secret alien army... Okay, here's where we're getting kind of... <laughs> all right, here, here we're getting kind of Agent Mulder here. <laughs> the secret alien army of implanted humans and all dissidents, which translates into anyone they choose, will be rounded up and placed in the one-mile-square concentration camps which already exist. Are the people whom they intend to place in these concentration camps destined to make up the reported batch consignments, air quotes, of slave labor needed by the space colonies? The media, radio, TV, newspapers, and computer networks will be nationalized and seized. Anyone who resists will be taken or killed. This entire operation was rehearsed by the government and military in 1984 under the code name REX84 Alpha and went off without a hitch. When these events have transpired, the secret government, in all caps, and or alien takeover will be complete. Your freedom will never be returned and you will live in slavery for the remainder of your life. You had better wake up and you had better do it now. In paragraph. Man, he was, yo. So these aliens. You better be woke because the aliens is, okay, dog. Also, it's going to happen on Thanksgiving. Did you see that part? He's like, they'll do this on Thanksgiving when everybody's like full of food and drink and sleeping. <laughs> Sir, we're so always he, full he's of like, food yeah. and drink. Don't at this participate and don't gather as a family. Okay, yeah, he, he kind of he had me there for like you ever seen that meme yet? I'm not gonna lie, he had us in the first half. I was, I was like, okay, yeah, he's right. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, okay, but then the aliens <laughs> coming. Alien concentration camp, like, oh, oh hold on, hold, hold and then on we're. There. Slaves. But see, some people will take bits and pieces of this. Concentration camps already exist. Kids in cages on yeah. the border. They'll take. They'll they'll make these small correlations that have nothing to do with each other. But say, hey, see, hey. see, he was cherry picked. Like but but and but then they'll miss. They'll miss the the truth in the statement. And he only briefly mentions that the CIA essentially selling drugs to be like. Yeah. Now that has been a conspiracy theory in the black community for years. Well, it's it's true. But we find out that it's true yeah. that the CIA, um, you know, cocaine was very expensive at the time, and they were having trouble with uh, the Colombians and the Medellin cartel. And what they discovered was that it was a way to make cocaine cheaper. You know, first of all, I, I find it hard to believe that people in the hood. Just decided, just found out how to freebase fucking hydrochloride cocaine. Like, I was just, say. just like, hey, I can make this in the freebase. Ah, but mm. then if I cook it in a suspended medium, yeah. you can then, you can then smoke it. Well, let me get my beaker out <laughs> and a hot plate, and we're going to cook the yeah. beaker, and we're going to see if this, co- we're going to waste. A hundred dollars of cocaine to see if we can do right. something. Right. You try to tell me that the hood had all these fucking chemists 
that just figured this shit out, right? And a fucking eight ball. But right, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm going to take a brick of coke. And, and so, <laughs> so I've always believed that conspiracy, that the CIA brought crack. I mean, I feel in, like yeah. it's, been, the, it's been proven, right? At this well, it, it, it's never been officially yeah. said that it happened, but people in the CIA have come out and been like, yeah, that, yeah. Shit, that shit was, okay, we did that shit. Um, because they needed to make money off of cocaine. That that's that was funding um, the guerrilla wars that were happening in South America. That we needed to we needed to ensure the certain political parties won. We couldn't use our money, the money from the United States, to fund these wars. Um, although they they kind of did by illegally selling weapons to certain political parties and then using that money to fund these other political parties. But they said, Hey, what's the easy, we got to sell cocaine. Ah, but you know what? Cocaine is really fucking expensive. And right now only white yuppies are buying it. And they're just not enough of those, right? Ah, I got it. What if we made it so where black people will want to do cocaine too? Let's make it cheaper and easy to produce and let's flood the hoods with it. And now you're making Let's let's make it bonus extra like easy to overdose on. Right, yeah, like, like you like yeah, you're making hundreds of millions of dollars almost overnight. The crack mm. epidemic happened like literally almost overnight. Hundreds of millions of dollars. No one knows where that money went. Some of it went to the cartels. Yeah, the CIA was getting paid. Yeah. Uh, Free Ray Rick Ross, big time drug dealer in California at the time, who the rapper Rick Ross. I was taken. like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's where that that's where he got the name. Shout from. out to all. Paris? Yeah, <laughs> that's where he got that name from. Free Free Ray Rick Ross was one of the first people to say, "Yeah, I I essentially like a CIA agent came up to me and was like, hey, bro, you want to make some real money?'" and mm. started giving essentially giving him kilos of cocaine and showed him how to turn it into free base and then turn it into crack and then sell it. And then of course he imparted that knowledge upon other people and it, and then it spread like wildfire. You could you could buy a hundred dollars worth of cocaine and quadruple that by you know making crack that, that's just not a coin that's just too much of a coincidence mm. uh for me and but bill old bill old billy talks about that <laughs> in this book but but before see the cia or people were coming out saying this was true before that was a big conspiracy theory he in this book talks about yeah. how the cia was essentially flooding Black neighborhoods was with like 91, crack. 92. That would have been pretty. That was like the height of the, yeah. the crack epidemic. Um, you know, New Jack City. Man, I love that movie. If you've never, y'all ever seen New Jack City? I don't think so. Gosh, you gotta Movie's watch in it. that, right? Uh, no. Uh, is Wesley Snipes is in it. He's like the big name in it. Who else is in it? Remember, I'll be sure. I know Tiff remembers, I'll be mm-hmm. sure. You know, what? I just watched New Jack City like last year. Yeah, week, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite hood movies, crime movies. Ever, but it's about some these guys. They small time drug dealers. They start dealing crack and they become this big cartel in New York City. But anyway, um, but yeah, he talks about that. And see, that's that's the thing with Bill Cooper in in this book. Why it's so complex? You have these truths like this. Yeah, where he talks about, hey, he's like telling the world, hey, y'all, the CIA is selling crack. But okay, whatever. And then you find out twenty years mm-hmm. later that that he was right. But at the same time. <laughs> Fucking aliens are yeah. gonna make us slaves. Yeah. Make us slaves, right? Well, you know what, Kaiza? In twenty years, when the aliens come to I know, collect yeah. us, when I'm in the concentration, yeah, when I'm in the concentration camp, I'm gonna be like, shit. He, he was tried right to tell us. He was right the whole 
time. And but I think what happens is that people see these truths and then they miss everything else and they embrace it and they run with it. And that's why we have guys like Alex Jones um, today who has no more money because uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll never have money again. God, I fucking wish. Right? Yeah. He's still fucking making. Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, he's supposed to give that money to the Sandy Hook families, but yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, whatever. We'll see. We'll see <laughs> how that shapes up. Um, I think we're going to stop there for today because there's like a whole nother side of this that we want to dig oh, we into. We didn't even get to like the rest of his life post book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All well, that. well, we'll talk about that. I think we'll, we should save that for the end though. We we yeah. have to talk about his downfall, his, the, the downward spiral that happens with Bill Cooper. Not long after this book was published, after, uh, actually, maybe. Well, it's probably like after Timothy McVeigh, honestly. Yeah, well, he died, uh, what, 2000? 2001. One, right? Two so, months after 9-11. Yeah, which, mm. my, probably by design. I mean. <laughs> yeah. So that Freedom of Information Act, it's. Yeah. It's definitely, it, part of it was designed for sure. So I think I think we've set the stage for the absolute craziness that was uh, Bill Cooper, you know, crazy or was or was it genius? Right? You like, could be both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, madness is on the precipice of genius. I believe the quote says, or genius is on the precipice of of madness. Yes, right. To wholeheartedly believe that the CIA was funneling drugs into the black communities, green check there. Uh, but then it was, you know, to ultimately serve the alien overlords. Mm, yeah. Like, oh. Hey, man, he saw something come out of the water when he was in the Navy, okay? <laughs> All right. The size of a fucking football field. That's where, honestly, that's where I put the book down. I was like, it was the size of a football field? For real? Come, no, absolutely not. I will not. All right, so I I do have a... Okay, so this is how I'll end this. I'll end this with a Kaiser, Kaiser military story about aliens. Okay? Oh. So... <laughs> Uh, I was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base. Was it Lil Mayo? From what? Was it Lil Mayo? No, I, I maybe. He, this was before his time. Was um, it though? Was it truly? No, it, <laughs> Lil Mayo's always been with us. But <laughs> this, this was before. Yeah, this was before his social media uh, <laughs> stint. But uh, Nellis Air Force Base. I was there from 2001 to uh, 2002. I was only there like a year and a half, and. I was there when 9-11 happened. And right after September 11th happened, uh, security forces, which is essentially military police, that's what the Air Force calls their military police, they had to deploy because, I don't know if people realize this, but I'm talking like the day after September 11th, the United States was, we we're, we're, were gone. We were on the other side of the world ready, ready to kill somebody. We didn't even know who. At, at this point, Al-Qaeda hadn't even you know, taking credit for the shit. And we had already had people deployed. I knew people like the day after September 11th, I knew people getting on planes to go. The security forces people were one of the first people to deploy because the United States would set up what they call forward, uh, air bases. So they'd set up like these, like overnight air bases close to where they think they're going to have to kill people. (laughs) And, and then, uh, security forces would essentially guard those locations, air force security forces. So, because of that, that meant that there was less of a security forces presence on base, which, after an act of domestic terrorism in the United States, you generally don't want to have less security on a military base. So, what they did is they do something called the augmentee program. And they do this actually rather often, but what they would do is they would pull people from career fields that were not security forces 
and you would be trained in security forces, and then you would be security forces for a short amount of time, and you would rotate in and out. Well, my squadron voluntold me that I would be <laughs> security forces. There was a reason for this, is because I had actually been in the military for some time, and and they didn't want... When you first get in the military, like your first year or two, you're actually doing a lot of training that you can, that you cannot miss. It will stunt your career if you do not do this training. So, as not to send lower rank, they didn't want to send lower rank people there. They needed to complete this training. They were like, well, you've already completed that training, Kirk. So you will go be security forces guy. All right, cool. My first night, security forces. Not alien. Yes. No. no. Yes. Oh, shut oh. up. So Area 51 is actually relatively close to Nellis Air Force Base. Shut up. It used up. to be called Groom Lake. Yeah, it used to be called Groom Lake. It is declassified now. If you go out there now, apparently it's nothing. It's, it, if you were to drive there from Las Vegas, it'd take you about an hour and a half to get there. And it's it's behind the base in the middle of nowhere, right? But what I found out when I was security force is that there are other areas. Area 51. There's 51, yeah, yeah, but there's yeah. area 1, 2, 3, all the way up to like... I was going to say, other, the other right, 50? Yeah. There's like <laughs> up to like... Uh, yeah, there's, there's... I don't remember how many areas it was, right? Area. So they were like, okay, uh, you will be stationed in area uh five so area one is the base area two it was the area right across the street from the base was a response area one or area five is behind what uh there's a mountain right beside the base in las vegas called i think sunrise mountain or sunset mountain or something but area five is on the other side of that mountain which is about eight miles away and when you get to las vegas very secluded right no it is there's nothing out there right Uh -uh. so when when you actually when you get to the base you get a briefing about you know living in the area, and they're like, "Look, don't walk to that mountain; you'll die." It's a, it's what? eight miles because it's eight miles away, but it looks like it looks really close, right? Like yeah, visually. exactly, because yeah. I mean, it's not in the flat land in yeah. the desert, mm. so it looks like you could just walk over to the mountain and touch it. And they were like, "You you would not have enough water; like you mm. would die of dehydration if you tried to oh, walk wow. to the mountain if you weren't prepared." Right. So we are going to be in Area Five, which was kind of on the backside of the mountain. Uh, and I guess they station people there to ensure that because you could actually from Area 5, if you were like camping out there, you could just walk onto Nellis Air Force Base. There's no fencing around that that back. Nellis Air Force Base is huge and there's just a lot of desert. So to ensure like, hey, there's nobody walking around the backside of Sunrise Mountain to get to the flight line. So we were out there and it was it was late. I was on night shift and it was me, and another airman. And she she was a pro. She had been a cop for like, you know, years, right? And she was like, "No, this is gonna this is gonna be the easiest duty ever." She's like, "We're just gonna go out here. We're gonna probably shoot some coyotes and rabbits with our M16s." And uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we used to put uh, quarters in the grenade launchers. If if you were lucky enough to get a grenade launcher in your M16, you put quarters in it. And you would shoot them very far. We used to do all kind of crazy stuff. But she was like, "So we're out there. We're like, you know, catch a nap." Whatever, because you're just sitting out there in a truck in the dark with you have night vision goggles. Um, yeah, night vision goggles. Uh, it sounds and, you, and once an hour, you check in on the radio. They come around the radio check and they ask for every <clears throat> post, and you're like, "Yeah, all clear." And then that's it. And you're good for another hour. And if you see something, then you call it. In. So we're there for a few hours. I'm sleeping. I'm like, you know, I'm not used to you know being this late on night shift. And she's like, hey, 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 wake up, wake up. I'm like, what? She's like, do you see that? Now, if you've ever lived in the desert, the skies are clearer than anywhere ever. Very rarely do you see clouds in the sky. 
Sometimes you do, though, and they're normally isolated. And she's like, hey, look, do you see that? And I'm like, see what? She's like, look. I'm like, it's a cloud. She's like, yeah, but look. And I look, and there's lights in the cloud. Mm. This is a 100% true fucking story, by the way. You sure you weren't just sleepy? That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, bitch, I just woke up. I don't know. She's like, she's like, what is that? And the thing was, it wasn't, the cloud wasn't moving. It was just there. You could barely see it behind the mountain. It was just lights coming from the cloud. And I thought, well, maybe that's you know, lightning, right? It's, it's got to be lightning. Yeah, it's ball lightning, lightning, right? Right, heat lightning, right? The thing is, in the military, uh, they know when lightning is around the base because it's, it's very hazardous to people working outside on the flight line. You get struck by lightning because the airplanes have things that attract lightning. You know, So, it's like, okay, let's just call base ops and they'll let us know if there's lightning because if there if there mm-hmm. is if there's lightning within like 20 miles of the base you have to know and then when it gets to within five miles then if you're outside you have to come inside so we call base ops base ops this is you know whiskey whatever whatever bravo whatever um is there lightning within the base they're like nope skies are clear <laughs> wait sorry i'm trying to visualize this in my head so the the lights were they blinking or were they just like it looked like flashing flashing lights they weren't they weren't like like a steady rhythm though which made yeah. me think okay it's lightning yeah but the problem is that lightning isn't like it doesn't just like last for like this was like for five minutes we're looking at this it's not like five minutes worth of lightning just coming from a cloud right yeah it, it was in the cloud so how big was it average cloud side in the, in the sky I don't know I mean it was just plus it was night so it was really hard to see okay you know anyway so you couldn't see like you couldn't see a and when, when we looked in the night when we looked in the night vision goggles you could clearly see the cloud and then you would see these flashes of light and because you're in, in MVGs you know they yeah would, they, would, they would, would blind you yeah but but yeah we kept seeing these these irregular flashes of light so I thought okay maybe it's aircraft coming in, uh, you know, flying that approach to McCarran International, which is the airport in Las Vegas. And the flashes of light from those airplanes. <laughs> like thinking of all yeah, that. because <laughs> me, I'm not ready to go to UFO land. No, you want to you have like a possible. There has to be a scientific right. explanation yeah. for this shit. So base offset is not lightning. And I think if it was lightning, we would have seen it from other clouds. But the, mm. the sky was you know, clear. So I'm like, it's gotta be, gotta be airplanes coming from. So, so we actually drive like towards the thing to get, which we weren't supposed to do. We I was gonna say, to I don't do. think. But what we were like, we were like, look, we we trying to see. No, this, I'm I'm a, I'm woke at this time. I'm fully awake now, wanting to see what this shit is, and we drive and we don't see any other planes coming. Plus, I mean. It's Las Vegas, but planes aren't coming in at like 3.30 in the morning, like to McCarran International. There's flight, flights just don't operate like that. Either you leave late at night or early in the morning, right? So there certainly weren't any base ops. There weren't any planes flying from Nellis. So I thought, hold on, Groom Lake is that way. It's gotta be some Area 51. <laughs> it's gotta be Area 51 shit. And um, and then eventually it just stopped. So. But was the cloud still there? Cloud was still there. But the lights just stopped. Lights just stopped. Hmm. Suspicious. It sounds like that movie. No. Nope. Nope. Yeah. yeah. That's what, when I watched that movie, yeah. I was like, Yo! 
He was in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> Real shit, bro. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was the only time I ever saw some weird shit, the uh, weird aliens in uh, in Las Vegas. I don't know. I don't know if it was a. I, I still think it was reflections from lights in the sky mm. from airplanes. That that's my story, oh. and I'm sticking to it. And then so I was like, so what do we? T-? And she was like, don't say shit when we get back to the cop shack because they'll, oh, yeah, no. they'll be like, y'all, hell no. <laughs> First of all, what the fuck was both of y'all doing out yeah, there? Exactly. The- <laughs> Thing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that why you're missing so much time <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so that i said that to say when he talks about man i was in the navy and i saw some shit well everyone in the military sees some shit you, you see some shit sometimes okay that don't mean that don't mean that there are concentration camps um <laughs> for aliens uh but it does mean the cia is selling crack i one thing that we didn't touch on, and I think that is important. We'll just, well, this will be my final thought, Jerry Springer. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, though, is that in all of this conspiracy and all of this, like, overarching, crazy, elaborate, you know, shit. Like, so say, we'll just say, uh, we'll give him that a Silent Weapons is a real document. Somebody left that, according to the story, on a fucking copier. And the thing is, is like, yeah, you can say that there are all these elaborate conspiracies. And we have demonstrably, you know, proven that there are some that are real. But like so much of what happens within our, you know, government is just people being fucking stupid. Yes. So much of it is people are fucking dumb and lazy. Yep, absolutely. I, I believe uh wasn't MK Ultra discovered much in the same way? I mean probably where, where old doc where someone was like, Hey man, <laughs> um we need to clean up some of these documents in here. This shit is ridiculous, it's too many. Well, and then somebody opened a box and was like, Yo, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's like Trump and Biden that have both proven that presidents just have stacks of classified yeah, fucking just take, papers. Just take shit on like, yeah. Hillary Clinton had this shit on her yeah, on her like, Gmail account, yeah. like <laughs> Like a lot of our internal government is just fucking laziness and stupidity. Which is a shame because they go through, you know, all that trouble to classify (laughs) uh, documents. I mean, it's, yeah. It's a shame. It's truly a shame. But some, but you know, I mean, people uh, who do that, I, I will say, I think it's odd that when politicians do like keep classified documents at home or on the private server, you know, we derive them for it, which we should. Right. But, um, when Chelsea Manning did it, she, you know, she, um, you know, she had direct access to Cipranet, which is, um, a closed military network that you send classified documents through. Like there's no way to reach Cipranet from, from the outside. You have to be in a facility to, but you know, she saw some stuff, some nothing she didn't see any football fields come out of the water yeah. but you know she saw those videos and then passed them over to um the guys from from WikiLeaks and you know she did prison time for that yeah then my thing was well you're going to put her in prison for that which i have my my thoughts on what we'll get into in this episode about whether or not her punishment was just but but when politicians do it like them guys ain't in jail right yeah. like them dudes ain't right in jail right so 
why not? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, riddle me this. Why is everything that could be federally charged to Trump, like, just completely? Well, the story's dead now. The yeah, we forgot about that. Well, yeah. it, well, once we found out Biden was doing it, too, then everyone, then, yeah, well, then all the political pundits, they're like, shit, I, now I can't, you know? Just put them all in jail. That's what I, and to be clear, I'm not saying that guy in particular needs to be picked on more than anybody else. If they committed a fucking crime, they committed a fucking crime. crime. Thank you. Like, what the fuck? But see, when the aliens come, they won't be spared. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I'm with Bill on this, okay? Everyone go to camp. Wake up, people. Wake Sheeple. up. Sheeple. Bye. Bye. <laughs> your freedom will never be returned and you will live in slavery for the remainder of your life. You had better wake up and you better do it now. <laughs> I can't believe he wrote that in the author's note. Dude, have, have you really, like, I think we all can realize that Alex Jones stole his whole fucking shit. But he took it to him. another level, though. He did, for sure. He's got more charisma and more, like, performance And I'll say quality, this. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about this next episode. But Bill Cooper was willing to die for his beliefs. Oh, yeah, he was. As fucked up as he was. Alex Jones ain't dying. No, that's... For, no. And that's, again, when I say, like, he has my respect in some areas. It's like, this dude was about that life. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. This was not a money grab all no, the way through no, for him. No, it was not, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week. We're going to come back next week. We're going to do part two of Behold a Pale Horse with uh, William Milton Cooper. And uh, get into some more crazy conspiracy <laughs> This is going to be a fun one to edit. You know how much I'm going to have to cut oh out God. of this episode? There's going to be, I know, there's going to be like, what are, you're going to listen to it like, what did he cut out? What did he cut out? <laughs> it, it will be for brevity's sake. It won't be because, uh, for controversy, because we do not shy for controversy on Discord mm-hmm. too. Most of y'all hate us anyway, but we love you guys. <laughs> and we hope you hear our lovely voices next week. If you have not, if you don't, because you know we like to take breaks, just know. <laughs> Just know that that means that the aliens came. Yeah. They got us. If I come back and I'm lobotomized, it's oh, your God. fault. Right. Mine. They got <laughs> us. So, uh, hey, guys, wake up. <laughs> you better do, do it, it, now. it now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>